see you this morning. Beautiful crowd, beautiful congregation, and just glad to see you on this Christmas season. We had a wonderful time together at 9 o'clock service this morning, and at the end, we, we had Christmas communion together, and we're going to do that today when we end our sermon this morning. We'll share in the time of communion together as we head into the Christmas season. But today, I want to preach to you about headlines of Christmas, headlines of Christmas. I thought just a few days ago, we had December the 7th, which in December 7th, 1941, you might remember that that was called a date that will live in infamy, a date when Pearl Harbor was bombed. And what a headline that must have been, what various headlines must have developed after that happened that brought our country into World War II and, and all of those things that happened beyond that. But what headlines must have crossed many nationwide newspapers I thought that in the Bible there could be headlines. If we were going to write a newsletter or a newspaper, we might put, for creation, we might put something like, God said it, or we might put, let there be light, or maybe, then it all began. I don't know. Some types of headlines that you could see throughout the scriptures, or the flood when Noah began to build the ark. The headline could have been, Noah wasn't crazy after all. I don't know. Or it could have been, let it rain, let it pour. The exodus coming out of Egypt, we're out of here, we're gone. Or God's people passed through the Red Sea, details tonight at 11. I don't know what the headline could have been. One of the great historic times of the scriptures, which brings us into the sermon and the season today, the first advent, the first coming of Christ, we could just say the word Emmanuel as the headline. And that means a lot. It means God with us. God has come. And I'm here to declare in this sermon this morning to you, God is with us. If you believe that, say amen. Christ has come. Do you believe that? Christ has come. You know, Pastor Jacob preached last week about joy. If I were to have a theme for the sermon today, I guess it would be hope. I like how Pastor Jacob had the the mug right here, the coffee mug. You remember that? He had his cup of joe, but it was his cup of joy right here. Last night, I thought about that, and I thought, I'd like to find something that has the word hope on it. So I went all through the first level of the house looking for in the Christmas decorations that my wife had put out, and there's no hope in our house. I didn't find any. (laughs) So I couldn't find find anything to to put up for you this morning. I was going to swipe it and bring it here, but... But I did think of some Christmas songs, and I know you, you may think, what do we pay him to do all week? Well, let me share, you, share with you a devotional that I wrote this week, and you can, see what you, have, you can see where you've put your money to such good use to pay me all week. But I thought about some Christmas songs could mirror as headlines. Well, let me start with this. This is a really wonderful, sacred song. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. That could, that could appear on the front page of, of a newspaper, citing a recent tragedy, I guess. Here's one. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Now, I thought that would probably be a good headline. Somebody, maybe they've written a letter to the editor talking about the government or, or the city council or something. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Well, how about this one? I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. That makes me think of a little boy or a little girl that maybe they've written their note to Santa Claus and it's been published in the newspaper. You know how they write those letters and send them in. But what about this one? All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. 
Now, I can see that one on the sports page, maybe uh, under, the, under the picture of a hockey player who had a little elbow to the face and maybe lost his front teeth there. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. Just let it bless you to know I've been working on these things all week long. But headlines can be misleading, and headlines can't always mean or don't always mean what we think they mean. I, I know sometimes I'm scrolling through Facebook or on the Internet, and I see a headline, and I think, oh, that must be an interesting story. And you click it and you go in there and you get about halfway through the paragraph and you say, this is not what I was thinking that the headline was talking about. And I'm just going to move on with life. But headlines can get misleading. Think about this one. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. I think that's very unlikely. Coming home from my house on Christmas Eve. I, I doubt that Grandma is coming home from my house on Christmas Eve. I think Grandma is at her house in her kitchen fixing her meal on Christmas Eve with her apron on. So I think it's a, I think me and Grandpa, you know in that song, As for me and Grandpa, we believe. I think me and Grandpa exaggerated just a little bit on that, on that headline. I don't know. What about you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch? I, I don't know if that headline would work because really all he needed was a little love from a little girl named Cindy Luhu. Say that fast three times. A little girl named Cindy Luhu. What about all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth? Now, I, I really did my research on this one. I really took up a lot of your time on this one. Uh, this song was recorded by Spike Jones. Anybody know who Spike Jones is? One person. I have no clue. You can tell me after service who Spike Jones is. It was recorded by Nat King Cole. Now, I've heard of Nat King Cole. All I want for Christmas, two front teeth. George Strait, I've heard of George Strait. I didn't know old George sang this song, but he did. And then even Elmo, Elmo from Sesame Street. Anybody, can I get a witness in the house? Anybody know who Elmo is from Sesame Street? Well, first of all, I'm pretty sure that all of these folks had their teeth. If you listen to them sing, I think they all had their two front teeth. And, and furthermore, Elmo, I don't think Elmo could actually grow any teeth? Because isn't he, are there, there are no kids in here. Isn't he like a stuffed animal? I, I don't know. Well, anyway. And the last one, I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. I think that headline is, is pretty misleading because I am pretty certain my homeowners association will not allow me to have a hippopotamus in the neighborhood. Actually, I don't have a homeowners association, so maybe I could try it. I'm pretty sure my wife would not let me have a hippopotamus in the neighborhood. But headlines can be misleading, can't they? But let's talk about some headlines today about Emmanuel and hope that is not misleading. Can you go with me in your Bibles? And they'll put it on the screen. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. I want to read to us this beautiful excerpt from the Christmas account. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid, or they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. 
So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, being Christ, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things, and she pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. I can't help but think about the shepherds in this story. The shepherds that were out in the field, they were watching their flocks. They were living their lives. They were doing their jobs. And and it, it reminds me really of us. If you think about it, we live life. We go through the motions. Sometimes we're very excited. Sometimes we're dreadful. Sometimes we're happy. Other times we're sad. Sometimes we're busy. Maybe other times we can be a little more restful. But we live this life. And I, I think the shepherds in that field that day, any number of them would have found themselves in any stage or any place in life. Some of them might have felt the mundaneness. They were in the mundaneness of life. Maybe they were just kind of bored with life. Maybe a few of them just said, you know, I get up every morning. I set my clock for a certain time. I, I make my coffee. I fill my little thermos up with, anybody do that in here? They fill your little thermos up and put their coffee and take it with me to work. Maybe some of them just said day in and day out, it's just the same old routine, the mundaneness of life. And there they were just minding their own business in the field. Other ones might have had been even a little more cynical than that. Some of them, maybe that day they just felt that their life was just meaningless. Maybe they say, I'm, I'm just in this dead-end job. I'm, I'm here every day and my, my family really doesn't care. Or I just, I just things haven't worked out the way I've always wanted them to. And my life is just kind of meaningless. How many know that without a relationship with Christ, our life does feel meaningless? Whether we actually verbalize that, whether we actually put thought to that or not, our life is meaningless until we know him and really know the true meaning for our lives, which is to serve him and to live for him and to have him in our hearts and in our lives. Maybe some of them were just caught up in the mystery of life. There might have been some shepherds sitting there thinking, I I don't know how this is going to work out. My family is struggling. I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. I just got a bill in the mailbox before I came to work today. I don't know how I'm going to provide. I don't know how this is going to happen. Maybe they were caught up in the mystery, the unknown of life. As we live this life, there are times we go through where we just don't know how things are going to work out. Or or will God provide this time? Or what do I need to do? Just the mystery of life. We don't know everything. We don't know all the answers. And maybe there were some confused shepherds that day. Some of them maybe just felt the misery of life. Maybe they were the type of shepherd that you could look at and you could just see the pain that was on their face. Maybe they were the type of shepherd that kept a little self-medication in their their garment and pull it out and take a little drink from time to time to try to numb their pain. But the misery of life had caught up to them. The wrinkles on their brow and crow's feet around their eyes showed the story of just a miserable life. I don't know. Some of them might have 
been there and they regret all the mistakes and the sin that had been part of their lives and they just couldn't let go of a mistake that maybe was 20 or 30 years prior. Others of them might have just been caught up in the mayhem of life, the busyness of of it all, and they just really didn't have time to think about anything. Just go from here to there, to work, to home, to this, to that, and we get caught up in the rat race of living. I, I don't know, but I think their shepherds were a good reflection of maybe even this group sitting here today or any number of groups of people, all different personalities, different things going in their lives. But the amazing thing to me, The amazing thing to me was that the message from the angels was able to resonate and hit home right where each of those shepherds found themselves. They could have been in a hundred different situations in that field and a hundred different mindsets and heart sets, but that message to them was able to resonate when the angel said, Behold, I bring to you today good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. This message of the gospel will reach a person right where that person is. If you believe that, say amen, Miss Moran. So I want to give us some things from this story. Sometimes, let me start with point one. Sometimes things are not as bad as they seem. Sometimes things aren't as bad as they seem. We're talking about headlines of, of Christmas, but can I, if I can get a little historical with you for a second, hopefully you can see that. That's a picture of Harry Truman, President Truman. He's holding up a, a, an election, the day after election, he's holding up a Chicago Daily Tribune first front page of the newspaper. And it says, Dewey defeats Truman, but you see the big smile on his face. Some of you may have lived through that election, I don't know, but many of you may remember this. But the fact of the matter was, Truman actually won the election. The Chicago Daily Tribune had had some printer changes and processes that had changed in how they would print their newspapers. And they had to go to press earlier in the day than most of the other newspapers. They printed that Dewey defeated Truman. Truman woke up the next day and thought that was pretty funny because he had actually won the election. What is your point this morning, Pastor Greg? The headline that somebody has on your life does not have to define your life. And sometimes we go to press, sometimes we go to printing, sometimes we go to settling in on something before we have allowed God to speak into the situation. Is that all right this morning? Let me tell you a few things. Your greatest battle... Get this today, your greatest battle, your greatest struggle could still be your greatest victory. Somebody say amen this morning. Your greatest battle could still be your greatest victory. There has to be an element of hope and faith in our lives. When I look at the entirety of the Christmas story from human standpoint, it's all impossible. A young Virgin girl, Mary, cannot bring forth a child by herself. It's an impossibility, right? The whole story, the whole account is based upon faith and hope. The whole story, the whole account is based upon a God who got involved and did some things and accomplished some things that we never in our human frailty could have accomplished. So if you find yourself in the struggle of your life, don't give in, don't give up just yet. Your greatest battle, your greatest struggle with faith, with hope, with God getting involved, it could still be your greatest victory. 
The next one, your deepest loss. Your deepest loss could still cause you to experience your greatest peace. Your deepest loss could cause you to experience your greatest peace. Be very careful right here. But sometimes God allows us to go through loss of some sort or some variety in hopes that that pain will cause us to direct our attention to him. If you find yourself today in a season of loss, you find yourself today in maybe your deepest loss, I urge you today to channel that towards God with faith and with hope and say, I need you, Christ, Emmanuel, God who is with us, Prince of Peace. I need that peace now more than ever. Nobody can give it to me. No one can say anything to help me. I need you and you alone. Many times our deepest loss can result in our greatest peace. Sometimes your biggest defeat can result in your greatest victory. There might be times when we suffer a defeat, a setback, and we know it's over, it's done. We, we, we have lost, so to speak. But God, the whole Christmas story is talking about restoration, about bringing things to us from God that is beyond ourselves. And sometimes our greatest loss in life could result in a greater victory later on. God is a God of restoration. If you believe that, say amen this morning. God is a God of restoration. I just want to say this morning, somehow I got to get it off of my heart, and maybe I'm not doing a good job expressing it, but things don't have to seem as bad as they seem, or they aren't as bad as they seem, because Christ has come, Emmanuel. God with us. We need, we must, we have to take our minds and our hearts and our eyes off of what we see and experience an element of faith, an element of hope that is beyond what we see in the natural and realize, Emmanuel, God is with us. And if God is with us, he can help us. He can do all things and let our faith arise again in our lives. The whole story is based on faith. The whole story is, Mary says, just do unto me. As you want, I'm going to believe. I don't understand, but I'm, I'm going to believe. The shepherds hear the angels and they say, I'm going to believe what you just said and we're going to make haste. We're going to hurry up, we're going to get and we're going to go and we're going to find this baby. And after they found him, they left and they just spread abroad what they had seen and heard. And I say, God, increase our faith as we hear the Christmas story. Let it be fresh to us again. And we can never discount the impossibility that God can do all things. Nothing is impossible. Have faith. Have hope. Next thing is this. Things are not as hopeless as they might seem. Things are not as hopeless as they might seem. If you can see that article, I hope you can. You can see a picture of the Titanic. There was a movie that came out some number of years ago. In fact, I think it was one of my one of my first dates with Donna was to go see this movie, the, the Titanic. How romantic was that, huh? But you see a headline here, 1,500 to 1,800 dead on the Titanic. And I've heard stories about the Titanic. And you know, you, you research and you hear and you look and you wonder what's real and what's true and what's false, whatever. I've heard some things that go around that says they, they actually had enough lifeboats 
in the boat that if they had just packed them in there well, they could have saved everybody. But then I found an account this week that disputed that and said that even if they had crammed them in, they wouldn't have had enough room. So I don't really know for sure. But what I do know in doing some research this week on the Titanic was there was another ship, another vessel called the Californian that was only 40 minutes away. Now, if you watch the movie or if you think about how a ship might sink, it, it takes a while for a big vessel like that to sink. You, they know it's going down, but it takes a while. 40 minutes would have been easy for that other ship to have made it to them in 40 minutes, and it would have been a totally different headline. It really wasn't as, as hopeless situation as it looked like. Help was near. Help was only 40 minutes away, but the call for help never got connected. What I want to say to us this morning, that there are times in our lives that maybe we seem like we're sinking like the Titanic. We seem like things are just hopeless and nothing can turn around, but it's never as hopeless as it might seem. Our help, could I say our help is 40 minutes away? Would I be accurate in that this morning? You can disagree with the preacher this morning. You can, you can say no. You can say you're wrong. Our help is not a 40-minute phone call away. Our help is Emmanuel, God with us. And when I take my eyes off of the problem, am I the only one that can feel overwhelmed sometimes? Anybody ever feel overwhelmed? We don't have to be super spiritual this morning. Anybody ever feel overwhelmed in life? You know, When I can step back, and I can take my mind and my eyes off of what is overwhelming me. And I can take my mind and my heart and my eyes and I can put them on Emmanuel. And I can start reminding myself, God is with me. Somebody ought to say that. God is with me. God is with me. When I can remind myself of Emmanuel. When I can remind myself that he has come. First and foremost, he came to all of humanity. For whosoever, that's you and that's me and that's anybody that's watching online today. The good news is I don't have to live a hopeless life. And I don't have to have a hopeless eternity. The good news is God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world through Mary, born of a virgin, wrapped in swaddling clothes, laid in the manger, he grew up, he grew in the fear and the stature and the admonition of the Lord. They saw him teaching in the temple at the age of 12. And then he started his ministry around the age of 30. And he performed miracles and he raised the dead and he healed the sick. And he opened the blinded eyes and he did all of those things. And he lived without sin. He, he lived above sin for you. He lived above sin for me. And then he offered himself on the cross as a perfect sacrifice for the atonement of the sin of me and you and whosoever will. When I remind myself and when I tell those that I love, my family, my friends, my community, my church, when I communicate that message, we can have hope. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, has come. Humanity can be saved. And let's make it personal. I can be saved. You can be saved. Gloriously saved, gloriously forgiven, my sins covered by the blood of Christ. And I can have hope in this life. And I can have hope in the life that is to come. I can be so gloriously saved 
that I can know that I can put my head on the pillow and lay down and leave this life and know that I will go immediately into his presence. Do you know that hope this morning? Do you know on the inside that Jesus Christ has forgiven you of all of your sins and you're on your way to heaven? Let me say something. You need to know that. Can I say that? And those around me, those around you, need to know that. They need to hear. I deal with sensitive situations sometimes of hoping, trying to, to communicate to someone and in hopes that we'll know that they are right with the Lord before they transition from this world to the next. I want to tell us this morning, everybody that's listening to me, you need to know today that your sins are under the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? I want to add something to that. The people that you love the most and who love you the most, they need to hear from your mouth and from your lips that I believe in Jesus Christ and I have accepted him as my personal Lord and Savior. They need to hear that. Somebody say amen this is that all right? I'm preaching with love today. I'm preaching from experience. I guess I'm preaching through some of the things that this pastor has lived through in, in recent days and weeks. But I, we must know and those around us need to know that things are right with us. And Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God has come. I have hope. Life is not hopeless as it seems. My situation is not as hopeless as it seems. One more point this morning. I'll go into my first of ten closings for you. One other headline. <laughs> you know that's true. <laughs> that's a headline when the first astronaut stepped foot on the moon, right? And he said, one small, now I made up my own quote here. We'll talk about that in just a second. But he said, one small step for man and one giant leap. For mankind. You remember that headline? You probably, some of you may have seen the headline or you've seen it in your history books or maybe you lived through it. But even greater than the day when a foot stepped on the moon was the day when Emmanuel Christ, God incarnate, stepped foot, if you will, upon this earth. I want to read a scripture to you and then I want to explain my little quote right there, but I want to read 2 Corinthians, they'll put it up for me, 2 Corinthians 9 and 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable, one translation says unspeakable. If you go down into the Greek, it means you can't utter it, you can't even say it. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. I, I want to preach right there, leave that scripture up for just a second. I would never come to you knowing how much I love my children and would do anything for my children, would lay down my life, and you would too for our children, wouldn't we? I would never come to you and ask you, would you give me your son so that I can lay down his life so that I can be saved and my family could be saved? I wouldn't do it. Would you do it? Nobody would do it. I would never do it. And I would never think to ask God to do it. That's why the scripture says his, uh, his unutterable, unspeakable, undescribable gift. 
as mankind, we have no right. We could never look at God and say, God, we are so sinful. We are so awful. We are so undone. We are so in desperate need of you. Would you just give us your son, your only son? Would you send him to suffer and to die for us? We wouldn't even speak that. We wouldn't even utter that. We wouldn't even think that. But God, in his infinite love and grace, had already planned it. Before the foundations of the world, before even creation, he had already planned, I'm going to send my son. I want to have relationship with them so much that I'm going to plan, even before I create them, I'm going to already have a plan in place to redeem them. I'm going to send this indescribable gift, the Lord Jesus Christ, God incarnate, Emmanuel, to come and die for them. Can we look at that quote, please? That's why I said one small step for God. It wasn't a small thing that he did, right? Don't, please don't misunderstand this pastor this morning. It was no small thing that he did. It was a big thing that he did. But it was, in his mind, it was just a logical next step. In the mind and in the heart of God and in the plan of God, he said, all right, I want to create mankind because I want relationship with them and I want to bless them and, and I want to fellowship with them and I want them to have wonderful lives. But I already know before I even do this, they're going to fail and they're going to sin and they're going to fall and many of them are going to be very, very ugly even towards me. But even before I do all of this, I've already got a plan and I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ, and you're going to go and you're going to die for them. And then all throughout the Old Testament, we've journeyed through just the tip of the iceberg of that in the last sermon series. All throughout the Old Testament, he's preparing the world for the coming of Christ. And he's showing us prophecies and giving us prophecies. And he's showing us foreshadowings and giving us foreshadowings of the time that is going to come. And so I believe when it, when it arrived, the Bible said, in the fullness of time, God sent his son. And I believe at that time, it was a joyful thing for God because he said, finally finally I've shown them all of this I've pointed towards all of this but finally I can send my son and he can do the work of redemption it was the next logical thing for God it was the next loving thing for God to do and he sent his son into this world to be born of a virgin and it's one giant leap for mankind one giant leap of what? It's a leap from our sins into his forgiveness. It's a leap out of darkness into his glorious light. It is a leap out of despair into his perfect peace. It is a leap out of hopelessness into hope. Somebody say that word again, hope. Let's say it again, hope. A leap into hope. This world needs hope. I need hope. We have hope because Christ has come. Emmanuel. That's my final thought today. Hope is having an optimistic state of mind because I'm expecting something to happen. I don't put a lot of hope in certain institutions of this world, right? I don't put a whole lot of hope in my Riches or wealth or, or money of this world. 
What I find is anytime I start putting hope in that, I, I think I can do this with what I have, and I usually can do about like this much. Is that, is that usually what you find? That's why the Bible says deceitfulness of, of riches, right? We think we can do more with, with what we have than we really can. But my hope is in this story of Christmas. I have a hopeful mind. Get rid of, we should get rid of stinking thinking, right? Look at your neighbor and say, get rid of that stinking thinking. That stinking thinking. I would say get some D.O. for your B.O., but that would be pretty inappropriate right now. That doesn't make Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. I'll tell you after. See me out in the lobby. I'm talking about the mind. <laughs> stinking thinking. I want to have a hopeful mind. I want to have a hopeful mind. Do you want to have a hopeful mind? I don't want my mind to always be racing about the what. It, let, let me preach here. Let me pastor here this morning. Because I know, I know in a congregation this size and the folks at 9 o'clock and the ones at home and all that, there's some worriers, right? Sometimes we worry. I want you to take some hope in your mind. Emmanuel. Get this in your mind. Emmanuel. God with me. Right? God with me. And can I tell you that the God who is with me has supplied every need for me? Can I tell you that the God that is with me has never let me down? So why do I worry? Why do I get in mindsets sometimes where I'm stressed and, and anxious and, and pulled this way or that way, but focus my mind on the hope of Christ? In my mind, I expect good things to happen. Because of Christ. Can I say that again? In my mind, I expect good things to happen because of Christ. What about an optimistic state of being? A being, a living that is deeply rooted deep down in my soul in knowing that I know Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Do you have that deeply rooted hope in your very being, in your very soul? And live with hope. One final one right here. What about this? What about an optimistic state of dying? What about an optimistic state of dying? Because of Christ, I have hope in this life, right? but I also have hope in the life that is to come. Do you have hope in the life that is to come? Do you know Christ? Then, then why are you worried about death? Right? Why are we worried about dying? It's just leaving from this life and going right into his, his presence. And I believe we can have a hope in dying. My personal headline should read, I once was lost. Is that good? Is that enough? Is that half the story? Am I giving you half the story right there? My personal headline, I once was lost. How about this personal headline? I once was lost, but now I'm found. That's my personal headline. I hope that's yours. I once was lost, but now I'm found. 